Check, 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 check. Check, check. Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I'm Spencer Dirks alongside my friend, Dr. Bob Leonard. Dr. Bob, good to see you again. Good to see you. Yeah, of course, we took the week off last week, mainly because of the 4th of July holiday. We normally record on Tuesdays, but we had planned to record on Monday, and I had a sick dog, and turns out that he was sick beyond repair, and we had to put our our, our dog, Jax, down this past Friday, so this episode is in memory of Jax Nickel. So uh, it was very peaceful. We actually had somebody come to the house she was from Oskaloosa. It's called Gentle Crossing. So if you're in South Central Iowa, she was excellent. Came to the house and everything was peaceful. Got to lay down with the boy and um, had a very nice exit. So uh, yeah, we're back with the pod this week. And of course, we do drop this every Wednesday. So uh, we don't plan on taking too many weeks off. But last week was just sort of a a unique situation. So a lot of stuff to talk about today, of course, right now as we speak. A lot of people at the state house, of course, they've reconvened for a special session, mainly about abortion. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, the school choice bill. We've gotten some numbers on how many students have applied and how many have been accepted. So we'll talk a little bit about those statistics. Of course, we have plenty to talk about with Cock Talk. Kim Reynolds and Donald Trump maybe not getting along too well these days. Also, the Republicans have have now released what date they are going to be having their caucuses in January. And just because there is quite a bit of bad news right now in the state of Iowa, I've got a good helping of good news towards the end of the podcast today. So make sure you keep listening for that. You can just, if you don't want to hear about all this stuff, you can just skip forward. And we also have our top five U.S. presidents. I was going to do that last week for the 4th of July, but we'll still do our top five presidents since... I did promise the listeners that we'd get to that. So jam-packed show, Dr. Bob. You ready to get going? Yep, for sure. So I want to start off. This is from Todd Dorman in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. In my opinion, the best columnist in the state of Iowa, certainly one of the best. And he wrote, so Governor Kim Reynolds has called lawmakers back to Des Moines for a special session today to approve severe restrictions on abortion. Her proclamation calls this a, quote, extraordinary occasion. That's a fitting description. What's going to transpire today under the golden dome of wisdom will be extraordinarily painful for Iowa women. They'll lose the right to make reproductive decisions as the Republican majority enacts a sort of eminent domain over their bodies. The bill will be swiftly shoved to passage by a Republican majority where only one in five lawmakers are women. It's likely abortion will be banned after six weeks of pregnancy. That's before most women know they're pregnant. Sure, there will be exceptions for rape and incest. The life of the mother and fetal abnormalities incompatible with life, but they won't cover many of the heartbreaking, life-threatening situations faced by pregnant Iowans. For example, the 2018 heartbeat bill lawmakers appear ready to pass again today makes no exception for women facing familial conditions. Translation, women impregnated by an abusive spouse will be required to carry the baby to term. Mental health issues and emotional issues also don't count. Not at all. No. No. By the way, the number one cause of death for pregnant women is homicide. The, yeah, that their significant other or whatever. Right. Or whoever, yeah. whoever got them pregnant decides that they don't want to deal with the woman or the baby and they make them disappear. And generally, it, generally it is, of course, the spouse. I mean, I'm, I'm 
don't want to say it's just whoever impregnates the woman. I mean, generally it is the spouse or boyfriend who ends up killing the woman. Well, that's tragic. Yeah, this whole thing is tragic. And by the way, the Dobbs decision, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down was just a little over a year ago. So that was the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, which I wanted to talk a little bit about because you were about 20 years old, probably. Roe v. Wade was in 1973 when that decision that did say the Constitution, you know, had basically abortion is a constitutional right, and then Dobbs reversed that decision. So you were about 20 years old. So you were around when those things changed, and now they're changing again to the other side. Oh, I was around. I remember it. I remember when it happened. I remember um, people act like this is a myth, but I remember watching. It was sometime at school in the summer, and I remember coming up like going to start some kind of practice, and I got there early or something, and watched my girlfriend's sister be taken away in an ambulance because her boyfriend tried to give her a coat hanger abortion in the boys' locker room. Yeah. It's vivid. Right. People act like, oh, the coat hanger abortions didn't happen. Well, yeah, they did. The attempts, anyway. She was hospitalized, was in the hospital for several days. Back then, they kept you in the hospital for a while, but yeah, she was never the same. Right. Neither was the sister, neither was the family. It was just all bad and wrong. Rather than working it out with, you know, the family, with their doctor, the 16-year-old girl got the coat hanger attempt. Yeah, it was an attempted abortion. And I forget exactly what happened. It's been a long time. It's really scary because this is what we're going to go back to. And with this six-week, they call it the fetal heartbeat ban but i was reading some it's not a heartbeat no it's not a heartbeat no. which most people i'm sure a lot of women know that i didn't know that until today just researching this and going through some some statistics and facts so it's an electrical signal exactly it's, it's still an embryo it's yeah. not even a, it's not even a fetus at, at six weeks no, I mean, and the points beyond that, it's the it's men trying, men and women who know which side their bread is buttered, helping um, men control the reproductive uh, issues related to women. They want to control everything. And in, in, in this new realm where uh, the powerful right-wing Christians want to control every aspect of our lives from what we read to what women do with their bodies... This is, you know, this is just more of it. It's, it's about control, and in, in this case, it's about controlling women's reproduction. Yeah, and they're the party of small government, yeah. of course. And they're deciding what we can and can't read and what women do with their bodies. I've mentioned this several times during our podcast before, I think. We're two men. <laughs> so what we say shouldn't really count anyway. We are both pro-choice. But I will say that there is no equality in the United States without access to abortion. And that's, that's what, right. to me, and again, I'm a man, so I, I, I will never get pregnant. I don't have to worry about having an abortion myself. 
But just in terms of being an American, how can we have one side can do whatever they want? If they knock up somebody, they can move across the country and are, is the Iowa government going to go track them down? No, but they might track down the woman. And that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. We don't even know really what the penalty will be. Will they take away the medical license of the doctor? I'm sure that would be the first, I guess, logical thing in their point of view. But what about the woman? And I don't want to put ideas into anybody's head, but if you're really saying that you're killing a human being, then that would be first-degree murder. Well, and that's what some legislators in other states have have said. And, and the response by 95% of the people to those nut jobs is that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and let's it's just not about controlling the women's reproduction. It's also about controlling sexual activity in the sense that they say, well, if you don't want to have a baby, don't, you know, um, don't have sex. Well, I mean, it's it's a fact of life. People are going to have sex. And to say don't have sex is is totally paternalistic once people become a certain age to be able to make their own consensual decisions. Well, and the other thing about that, too, is you can have safe sex and still get pregnant. You can be on birth control and get pregnant. I know people that have been on birth control. One of them was a woman that was had already had five children and she was on birth control and uh, ended up getting pregnant. The other side of that is the irony, the sick irony of it is the people that would know that they're pregnant at six weeks are the people that are probably planning for it. They know their ovulation cycle, they're paying closer attention to you know when they get their period and if they're a day late etc etc but if you're on birth control if you use condoms you're not you're not going to be as up to date or stressing about that stuff as much. well the bottom line is they just want more bodies they don't want birth control otherwise it would be available over the counter some people are um you know um kim reynolds you know proposed you know over the counter birth control it didn't happen you know they didn't want that they don't want it they want the woman that they don't want her to have sex but they want her to have babies and they want everything under their control. And so they don't want sex education either. Right. I mean, so it's just. It's sickening. Yeah. It's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's very paternalistic and fits in with a very old fashioned, oh, I don't know, cruel biblical mandate from the Old Testament. And right. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. We'll see what they come up with today. Yeah, I mean, by the time you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, they may have passed a bill. I know that there was a large contingent of protesters there. There was some heated exchanges between the protesters on both sides at, at the State House and the Rotunda. A lot of chanting, a lot of signs, and a lot of good speakers that I would recommend you go. I saw them on Twitter, but I'm sure you can see them on Facebook or wherever. But a lot of good speakers speaking out against this proposed abortion ban. Yeah. And by the way, the ACLU of Iowa tweeted that a six-week abortion ban would ban 98% of abortions in Iowa. Yeah, I've read that So too. It's, it's basically an abortion ban. Well, that's what they want. Right. Well, and something, I don't know what's going to happen. Kathy Obradovich with the um, Iowa Capital Dispatch had an interesting editorial today talking about, 
it's not 2018. You know, they had the fetal heart bill, heartbeat bill in 2018, and then Roe v. Wade was still a law of the land, and they knew that it wouldn't happen. And so they're going to bring that back, only now it's not 2018. We know the consequences of abortion ban. We know the women that have sat in the, in the emergency rooms waiting for care, the women that have, gone, have sat in parking lots while their doctors decided whether they could help them or not, the women that died, the women that had to cross state lines. And, you know, it's just, it's a, whole, it's a different ballgame. It's not 2018. And so, and then it's going to go to court again, and it won't be heard for yeah. months, maybe even until after the 2024 election, right. uh, as Kathy sort of laid out this morning. Right. So yeah, a lot to follow. And again, we're literally just in the middle of it. So we'll talk more about it once we actually have something more static and something that's either been passed or something that's going to be signed. It just needs to be people's choice, women's choice. Yeah. Because anything else is treating the woman like a lesser being. Yeah, like it's none, it's of, it's none of our business. Yeah. It's literally none of our business. It should be between the woman and her family and her doctor. And the other thing is, too, we're finding it hard to, to bring people to Iowa. If you're a woman right now and you live in another state, you ain't moving to Iowa. And there, there are people that are moving out. Exactly. friends that are moving out. And we mentioned if the penalty for a doctor is that they lose their license, what if something comes up and they have to perform an abortion to save the mother's life? And the state says, well, no, you didn't have to do that. So we're yanking your medical license away. So it's hard enough to recruit nurses and doctors to the state now. This is just going to make it even harder. So let's move on. Speaking of making things harder, this is from the Des Moines Register on the school choice bill. Of the 17,000 approved applications, 60% currently attend an accredited private school, while 40% are switching from public to private school. Also, school choice is becoming widespread throughout the country. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine recently signed a budget with Universal School Choice. They're the eighth state to pass universal school choice in the past two years, joining, of course, Iowa, Arizona, West Virginia, Utah, Arkansas, Florida, and Oklahoma. Just the states we want to be with. West Virginia, Utah, Arkansas, Florida. When you're in that mix, you're not doing things the right way. But to the Republicans, that's great company. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the poorest states, some of the states with the worst health outcomes. Education outcomes. Yeah, everything. Right. Literacy. Was Mississippi in there? No, surprisingly enough. But this was also just in the past two years was the statistic. So I'm not sure what other states might have had it before the past two years. But this has been a push. And it's the fact that it's in the past two years, you can tell that it, this is a lot to do with COVID restrictions. They kind of took that and said, well, we need to have parent choice because I don't want my kid to wear a mask. But now you're going to force somebody to take a pregnancy to term. But your 12-year-old better not wear a fucking mask or otherwise I'm going to take my money and go somewhere else. Yeah, it's absurd. But they don't care. The logic is irrelevant. The reason I brought it up is it is, we knew this, it's not a surprise, but it is just a handout to wealthy islands. 60% are already going to private schools. They already had it budgeted. They already figured I'm going to spend X amount of dollars on my child's education. And now they just get extra money. Well, right. And there's another interesting dynamic going on here, too. 
I read it at Bleeding Heartland, Laura Bellin's wonderful website. And I'm, it's, by a, it's a piece by a former educator, and I wish I remembered his name. I want to say Richardson. But anyway, it's an excellent analysis. So, okay, so you've got, uh, what's the number again? 60, 40, yep. already helping. People are, the 60% are already going there. So we're helping the people that are already there. Yep. Now, he did this analysis, so Reynolds released it, whatever, but I saw it on, on uh, Bleeding Heartland. Of the people that already have their kids in, their income, household income, is approximately 62, 65, somewhere in their thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those aren't rich. That's right. average. There's certainly some rich people in there. Um, now, how about the people, the new people wanting in to the schools that have applied for the voucher payments? The new people wanting to go into the school, into the private schools, average income is over $120,000. Wow. Yeah. So we're really helping out. Right. The rich that's... People. And it's net income. And the point being that it could be even more depending on how, the, how they claim their taxes. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Over $120,000 a year getting, uh, getting state taxpayer dollars, our dollars, to go to private schools. <laughs> There's not much more to say. Let's get on to cock talk. Unless Wait, I mean, you, you, you do have, have something. You have to say the overall goal, why would they do that? They don't care about that. Though all those things we could say, but Kim, you're helping people are getting, you know, over $120,000. It doesn't matter. Their goal is to funnel public money into private hands, in particular to private right-wing Christian schools to further the, their ideology. Yeah. And so that's it. It's about power. It's about control. It's about, it's not about logic. Or she'd say, oh, I, you know, well, we've got to stop that. We've got to put an income cap on that. But no, <laughs> no they, they don't, don't want care. that. They, they want don't that. care about that. And so in, and Todd Dorman, who you mentioned before and quoted before, he had something very interesting to say, sort of as a joke. And there are podcasts that drops every Friday. Um, I would check that out. Uh, the Gazette has a podcast, political podcast, um, that drops every Friday. But Dorman says, well, you know, apparently if money is no object, let's just put a private school building fund together <laughs> and, let, and let's just start building all the new schools that they're going to need. And the, you know, the people on the podcast were sort of uh, saying that, well, if that happens, we'll give you partial credit. But that's the next step. For right. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of private schools, and you mentioned it's, you know, 98%. I mean, what is it? It is like 98 or 99% of the private schools in Iowa are Christian-based. Yeah, there's like 130-some private schools and all And all but like six. four? Yeah, yeah whatever like it is. Um, I was going to bring up that one of the speakers today that was speaking out against the new abortion ban was he, he was even wearing a T-shirt that said Little Devil's Academy. So he's opening up a school that is, I don't know if it's Satanist necessarily, but he, even the Twitter page says, if Iowa's GOP is going to open this up, let's grift on, baby. Yeah. So it is just, it'll be very, very confusing, I think, for the next several years of like where all this money is going. And the thing is, there is no oversight. No, no oversight. And even the one person that would be doing 
the oversight is Rob Sand, and he can't do his job because they've taken away all of his power, pretty much. Let's get on to Cock Talk, a big news story early on this week, a rift between Kim Reynolds and Donald Trump opening up. Trump posted on his Truth Social account, quote, I love Iowa, protected and expanded ethanol, got $28 billion from China for our great farmers, ended the estate, parentheses, death tax on farms, made the best trade deals in history, USMCA, China, and many more, introduced the world to our farmers and kept Iowa's first in the nation status. I opened up the governor position for Kim Reynolds, and when she fell behind, I endorsed her, did big rallies, and she won. Now she wants to remain, quote, neutral. I don't invite her to events. DeSanctus down 45 points. Yeah, well, the first part, none of the first part is true. No, I was going to I was going to interject, but yeah, we'll just, after the, <laughs> after reading all that hogwash, none of it is true. The no. part about Kim Reynolds is true. I mean, he basically did, I mean, he hired Terry Branstad away from the governorship, which gave Kim Reynolds the governorship. But Branstad was going to step down sooner or later. She was groomed for that position. Right. It would have happened sooner or later. Yeah. I mean, so to act like he was the cause. Right. I mean... And to say that she was down, too. I don't really remember when she was ever down. I mean, it may have been it close. It was tight. It ended up being a three-point margin of victory for her over Hubble. Right. And it was tight. The polls went back and forth. But, yeah. You know, the truth doesn't matter to Donald Trump. So. No. No, not at all. I mean, but it's funny to me. I just wanted to bring it up because, to me, it's funny. That, well, yeah. That we have this infighting and... I don't really know who Iowans would support in that battle, whether it be Kim Reynolds or if there's more Donald Trump fans. Well, I hear it some of the where he said some of that at his last rally, he didn't get the applause. They didn't applaud when he was, you know, saying bad stuff about Reynolds. But I mean, when are the Republicans going to learn that Donald Trump will turn on you eventually? <laughs> right. You can kiss his ass and kiss his ass like she has done from the beginning. Yep. You know. And the other thing is, too, that one thing that he's right about is when he's on, I've seen her at a, a DeSantis event, I've watched her on TV at a Trump event, but she stays pretty distant from Trump, you know, yeah. but she's there up there, you know, she does a little kissy whatever they do, right. hug kissy kind of thing. But she was, you know, she was really into DeSantis. They had a nice talk, they sat there and yucked it up and talked... You know, told jokes about sending, you know, kidnapping immigrants and sending them to uh, Martha's Vineyard. They, the oh, audience sure that thought that was chuckle. hilarious. Oh, yeah. You know, kidnapping, you know, right. yeah, that's hilarious. That's fun, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so she really likes DeSantis. And she humanizes him. Well, yeah, they're basically two peas in a pod. They're two Republican governors in states that they're having a lot of success being Republican governors. But, and, you know, at the same time, Trump said, well, she has an open invitation. Well, that's, that's insulting. Yeah. She wasn't invited. Right. Just say it, Trump. You didn't invite her an open invitation. I mean, sure, she's going to say, hey, I'm coming. No, no, you have to be invited. Correct. Yeah, so he's... Yeah, yeah well, an so open invitation might mean that she can stand in the crowd. I mean, she right. shows up and they say, well, hey, nice to see you. Well, you can take a seat down with the rest of the riffraff. When you remember a couple of months ago, what was it, 35, 38, something like that, senators, members of the House of Representatives that are Republicans, endorsed DeSantis. DeSantis. Yeah. I mean, so people are ready. 
I was talking to a friend the other day who's a Republican, who's conservative, who's old-fashioned kind of conservative. He says the thinking, the thinking Republican want Republicans want Trump out. Mm -hmm. They want him out. They would love anybody but Trump. And uh, but so I think that there's that intellectual class of Republicans that are sort of old-fashioned, true conservatives. There's nothing conservative about MAGA. About MAGA. No. There's nothing conservative about it. But the true old-fashioned conservatives that we need, they want him gone. Right. And so it, we're on, if he, if he casts aside Reynolds, I mean, the door could open for other people and what Bob Vanderplotz does with the, the Christian right, I mean... Who he endorses is going to be a big deal. I mean, and remember, Trump didn't win Iowa in 2016. Yeah, I think it's just wide open, and we don't. He could even be in jail. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of caucuses, next year's Iowa Republican presidential caucuses will be held in mid-January, about three weeks earlier than the past two primary cycles. State GOP officials announced on Saturday, the first in the nation caucus will take place on January 15th of next year. Following a vote from Iowa State Republican Party's Central Committee, January 15th, a Monday, is a federal holiday. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. While there's less attention this cycle on the Democratic nomination, Iowa State Democratic Party had said it intends to hold its caucuses on the same day as the Republicans. Rita Hart, the state Democratic chairwoman, said her party had no input on the Republicans' date and would continue to pursue a caucus that allowed more Democrats to participate than the traditional only in-person meetings. Quote, no matter what, Iowa Democrats are committed to moving forward with the most inclusive caucus process in Iowa's history, end quote. That's from Rita Hart in a statement. Well, I'm glad they're continuing. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, having a date is sort of exciting. Right, January 15th, 2024. Yeah. Which also means, because there's different, you know, states have different bylaws, like New Hampshire, they assume that they would now be January 23rd, because I think they have to be eight days after the first caucus yeah. or whatever, and then South Carolina has to be a certain amount of time after New Hampshire, and then the, De the Democrats is still basically a mess. We still don't really know. South Carolina is supposed to be the first one. Georgia is supposed to be, you know, among the first group of like four states to go, and they still don't know if they can do that. No. So it's it's a mess. It's a mess, yeah. and that was. And that and they was don't have mess. much time to figure it out either. Like right. you got it was, it was Tom Perez, right, and Joe Biden that made it a mess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Biden tried here for a long time, didn't catch, and so punish, right, punish us. Yeah, that's what's a good idea. So yeah, like you said, it's nice to have a date, and um, the Republicans for sure have a date. We'll see whether or not the Democrats decide to have it on the same date or not. And I think it is, I mean, I think it's kind of ironic the Republicans chose Martin Luther King Jr. Day, but I think it is good that it's a holiday. I mean, people have the day off. It might be easier for people to get there. Let's get on to some good news. Actually have some good news from the state of Iowa. This actually happened a couple weeks ago. I was going to mention it last week, but of course... We took last week off. This is from the Spirit Lake Times. Spirit Lake's public school district has repealed a policy allowing staff to carry guns on campus. The district announced during a special board meeting on Thursday, the Spirit Lake Community School District scheduled the meeting in advance of its current liability insurance policy expiring on June 30th. In November, the district was notified by its insurer, EMC, that the company would not renew its liability insurance if the district maintains its policy of allowing employees to carry guns on campus. 
after learning from Bill Cochran Bray, the school insurance agent, that there were no viable alternatives for the school to move forward with the armed staff policy remaining in place, the board decided to repeal the policy to become eligible for policy renewal with EMC. I am not a big fan of insurance companies. I think, by and large, it's a scam. Right. I mean, it's really a scam. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's necessary for some things, but especially medical insurance where they deny claims all the time. But the, the point is, for once, I can cheer on yeah. insurance companies. You know they did the math. They don't care about anything but the math and the bottom line. Right. If they thought they could make money off of this, they would do it. Right. They're amoral. It's all about Yeah, basically money. they're saying, Spirit Lake, you can't even afford yeah. what this would cost you. Yeah. We, yeah, we, the insurance company, can't afford what this is going to cost all of us. Yeah. My girlfriend, Jesse, brought this up. Speaking of insurance companies making a difference for the better, a lot of there's a big push online to get your kids life insurance. Take out a life insurance policy on your kid, not for your, you know, not for when I die that passes on, because then the insurance companies may start to lobby on tougher gun restrictions or more background checks because then they're going to have to be paying out these policies for millions of dollars to these kids that end up shot and injured or killed in school shootings. Oh my God, another good thing insurance companies might be doing. It's sort of a byproduct, but I mean, I think there is maybe this push of like, hey, let's use the levers that we can to make the change because going through the traditional levers, protesting, petitions, trying to vote, etc., has not been working. So I thought that was interesting that she had brought that it's up, and it makes sense. I, you know, whenever talking with a life insurance person, that they've always proposed with the kids. Yeah. I believe we got it. We should have. I hope we did. But Yeah, Jessie, like, literally looked into it. I don't know if she's gotten it yet. Um, but, yeah, she has already started looking into how much it would cost and, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a normal so, fee, or right. used to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for a kid, I mean, she's 14 years old, I would imagine it'd be, you know, 10 bucks a month or something like that. It wouldn't be, because even my life insurance as a 40-year-old smoker is like 45 bucks a month. So, yeah. yeah, wouldn't be much at all. So, yeah, that's first bit of good news is there's no longer teachers and whoever else walking around Spirit Lake schools with a gun. <laughs> That's good news. This is from Axios. More good news. Iowa, which had planned to snub $29 million in federal food aid, has apparently reversed course. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Sean Bagnuski and Saratron Garriott. So Alex Carfrey. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Gar Yeah. Uh, Alex Carfrey, a spokesperson for the State Department of Health and Human Services, told Axios late on June 28th that Iowa will apply for the federal grant. After all, the grant is worth an estimated $29 million or $120 per child for thousands of low-income families with kids in Iowa, according to Food Research and Action Center estimates provided to Axios. Earlier this month, that meant in June. So earlier in June, the state planned to skip the application, according to an email obtained by Axios that was written by another HHS official to a member of the Iowa Hunger Coalition. The Pandemic Electronic Benefit Transfer, or PEBT, launched in 2020 under President Trump. Children who would have received free or reduced price school meals in the most recently completed school year remain eligible for the summertime assistance under an extension signed into law by President Biden. The bad news... <laughs> Of course, there's bad news when it comes to Iowa. That's good news that we're getting money and, and $120 per kid is fantastic. Iowa rejected, forfeited, or did not apply for more than $200 million in other federal initiatives in the past year. Yeah, 
It's crazy. And this is money that we, we are paying for that money. This is federal tax dollars that we are paying for out of our paychecks. Shouldn't say that to you because you no longer have it. Well, I guess you do have a, a paycheck now from the Knoxville School District, maybe. So you're <laughs> so we are paying that money and not getting it back because our government is stupid. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I've talked to legislators about it, Republican legislators who said, oh, you know, we'd have to match it. We can't afford it. We can't. It's not going to be sustainable. I mean, so that's always what they come back to. However, other states are doing it. Right. We've got this big, you know, surplus. Yeah. Let's just feed the kids. Let's feed the kids. Just feed the kids. Right. We should have... But but what they're thinking, what they're saying, they think it's a moral hazard. They think that people are sinful and cheaters, just like they are. Mm -hmm. And so they think that everybody's going to take, they just presume everybody's going to take advantage of the system, even though it's the lowest fraud, you know, possible, less than 1%. Exactly. But they, they think people are cheating and they want them back in the factories working at, you know, the convenience stores, whatever. When the vast majority of the people that get food stamps are already working. The vast majority. Either they're already working or they're they're retired. They're too old to work. Right. Well, and what we're doing, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, they are working and they're working for... And now we're going to put the 14-year-olds to work, you know, on the rail line. (laughs) We've talked about that. Yeah. Have to have people hungry enough to go to work. Yeah, exactly. Need to keep them motivated. Yeah. So, yeah, they work hard so they can buy that, you know, McDonald's cheeseburger. So, yeah, that is a little bit of good news that we are getting some money that uh, is And we can thank Democrats. Yeah, it was because they got too much shit. It's not like they, you know, realized the error of their ways. It was because there was enough pushback to say, hey, this is money that we need. And it came from groups like, you know, the Hunger Coalition and people that do this day in day out and they see the kinds of people that are coming to their food banks or coming to their food shelves or that are getting their food during the summer at you know school lunch programs yeah i mean and i was at knoxville schools the other day and i was there was some food being given away and the people that were coming up with for food you know weren't driving mercedes right you know picking up food for their kids it's just trying to feed their kids yeah and you see stuff like that all the time on facebook of you know i need a helping hand is there a place open today where i can go get food and we're so judgmental it's just like and even i'm judgmental in the sense that i remember once i was helping at a oh carry out food at a pickup place there was this strong young man there you know coming for food and i thought well, that guy can get a job. And then I went over to help him with his food, and he was almost nonverbal. Almost nonverbal. He could. He's had some kind. He looked fine, strong, and healthy. But there was something wrong with that sure. poor young man. That where he needed the help, he couldn't be in very many work environments. Right. And here I am judging, so I went right. back slapping myself. Right. Yeah, it's easy to do. But I think yeah. Being in that position opened up your eyes to, oh, I shouldn't judge a book by its cover. So more good news. Unbelievable, but we got three good news stories today. And this is sort of close to my heart. This is from KCCI. Do you remember Shikari Richardson? The name's familiar. A female sprinter 
So she ran the fastest women's 100-meter time of the year on Thursday at the U.S. Championships in Eugene, Oregon. The 23-year-old finished the opening heat with a world-leading time of 10.71 seconds as she boosted her chances of qualifying for next month's World Championships in Budapest. You might remember, now that I'll ring your bell, in 2021, Richardson had been expected to be one of the biggest draws at the Tokyo Olympic Games after winning the women's 100 meters at the U.S. Trials but was barred from competing after accepting a one-month ban for her positive test for cannabis. Do you remember that? that? She later said her action was the result of mourning the death of her mother. She failed to qualify for last year's world championships, but looks set to make up for that at this year's edition, which would be her first global event with a strong performance at the U.S. championships, which are trials for the world championships. So glad that she's continued fighting for her dream. It's bullshit that they banned her for marijuana. I think it's ridiculous that pro sports teams and the NFL and NBA and the Olympics, what are you doing testing for cannabis? It's not a performance enhancing drug. It's legal in many places. Yeah. No, it's just, if anything, it's, it's one of those legacies of the, it's racist for number one it's racist being against marijuana even though the vast majority of people that do marijuana are white even by percentage it's still this racist trope that you know it goes back to like oh black jazz musicians you're gonna you know get like the whole reefer madness shit from like the 20s and 30s which was paid for by an out like a liquor company by the way yeah they just need to uh to change that rule so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that she's still with it. They couldn't keep her down, and hopefully she'll be at the Olympics. It's all about control. It is. It's, yeah, it's just stupid. And she did just lose her mother. You know, it's like, come on, man. And you've got a one-month ban that just happens to coincide with the Olympics. Anything else? That brings us to the end of the agenda for today. Do you have my top fast. five to get to? That was incredibly fast. Yeah, we want to just just move on. Some of the things we just need to say it and move on. No sense belaboring it. Yes, I thought we might talk a little bit more about the abortion stuff, but again, we don't necessarily. It's hard to talk about something that you don't exactly know what the final form is going to be. Yeah. All right, let's get to my top five. This week is top five U.S. presidents. We'll start with dead last. You know who dead last is, right? Yeah. We don't even need to say his name. And speaking of dead last, number five is Barack Obama. Yeah. Do you think he deserves to be in the top five? It's hard to tell. You know, there's a historical bias with respect to uh, the present, you know, where we tend to know more about them. And so we will, you know, say, you know, we'll be more informed. I mean, like, nobody remembers Millard Fillmore. I was going to say, I can't speak definitively on John Tyler's presidency, but I was alive at least during Barack Obama's presidency, and it was a pretty good eight years. So he cracks the list at number five. Number four, U.S. Grant. Ulysses S. Grant, number four. Yeah, if he would have done well. Johnson immediately after the war was terrible, but then Grant got in. I mean... Um, Johnson was it was ready to just reinstate the Confederacy again, right. put the same people back into power, but yep. Grant didn't let that happen. So yeah, we should be. Yeah, he deserves a high spot on the list. I yeah, agree. and he I think is kind of unfairly maligned as a president. Of course, most people give him all the credit in the world for being the Union general during the Civil War, but yeah, his presidency. 
I don't think was he didn't accomplish as much as I think people wanted him to accomplish, but it was also right after a civil war. What do you really right. expect out of him? The other thing about U.S. Grant is, and I haven't read it, which I need to, but he supposedly has one of the best autobiographies of any president. He, of course, has an amazing life story to be the Union general during the Civil War, then become president and going through all that period. He was bankrupt by the time he writing that book actually gave him somewhat of a retirement so he could you know, make some money that way. But he was just like a lot of presidents back in the day. They used to come in you know, pretty rich and leave bankrupt because there wasn't presidents don't make a whole lot of money necessarily. Um, compared to what you're doing, <laughs> well, yeah. Unless remember you just want to grift. And... Remember, yeah, the grift. Remember when they wouldn't let Obama uh, refinance the mortgage on his house? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trump's family gets billions. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, U.S. Grant is number four. Number three is George Washington. He deserves it. First president gave up his seat, could have became king, and decided mm-hmm. not to. Right. Of course, we can talk about his moral failings and. But we won't. He's everybody knows George Washington owns slaves. I've been to his house. What is his house called? Keep wanting to say Monticello, but that's, no, that's Jefferson. Jefferson. Another thing we forget. People are yelling, and I've been there before. We'll move on, and I'll remember it. Uh, number two is Franklin Roosevelt, FDR. Yeah, great president. New Deal. My grandpa believes that. Um, the New Deal and Roosevelt saved his family from starvation during the Depression. Yeah, I think we're still the beneficiaries of a president with that kind of vision, even though it happened 100 years ago, well, almost 100 years ago, that we're still trying to live up to that progressive legacy and trying to give everybody in America a chance. Yeah. Where he, yeah, it wasn't just the haves and the have-nots. I think FDR really did believe that we're such a great country that everybody should have a chance. And having a chance also means having a little money in your pocket, too. Yeah. I mean, a speech is money, which Citizens United, that decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, said, then you and I have a lot less speech than Elon Musk does. So an FDR would have been fucking pissed. Yeah. Can you imagine? He would have stacked the Supreme Court again. <laughs> he yeah. would have said, screw that. We're doing this again, motherfuckers. Yeah, well, it should be done again <laughs> because when the Republicans get back in, it, that's what they're going to do. Sure. Yeah, Democrats like They'll to play on a... They'll like, Right, Democrats they, they want to play on a level playing field, and then Republicans are just tipping the table their way. Yeah. All right, so number two is Franklin Roosevelt. Number one, of course, is Abe Lincoln. Honest Abe. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Civil War president, you know, believer in freedom. I mean, we can pick apart all these people. Exactly. Right. But no, Lincoln was great. It was back when the Republican Party, well, and actually people should know that a person from Knoxville helped make Lincoln president. Yeah. um, Stone, right? Yeah, William Milo Stone. Yeah. Helped uh, convince him to run. On 1860 Republican Convention, he stood up, he was a delegate, and he stood up and said, there, there was fighting in between, there were two other leaders, you know, that were leading, and Lincoln was sort of a third, and then he tipped the tide, William Milo Stone, who was general, Civil War general, to right. governor of Iowa, stood up and said, 
I and two-thirds of the delegation from Iowa cast our votes for the man from Illinois, Abraham Lincoln, that swayed the convention. Damn. Yeah. From Knoxville. Go Knoxville. Yeah. There was also and here we are in the Knoxville Library right next to where the Dixie Gephardt used to be, the Dixie Gephardt House used to be, who designed the Iowa flag. And uh, William Milo Stone is buried in Graceland Cemetery. That's right. Yes. It's got a big old like monument out there. Deserves bigger. Yeah. Yeah. No, nope. I can go on and on about that. So anybody on the list that should be there that's not? Do you have any personal favorites that didn't make the list? Um, no, not really. I like that list. A lot of other people would put in Harry Truman. But I think Bill Clinton's right there. Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, just because they were the two Democratic presidents during my lifetime so far, it was pretty close. And Bill Clinton also had a really good eight years as president. Yeah, but he just perpetuated the, the thing that has us all in trouble, the trickle-down economics, right. you know, the Reagan. One and welfare to work and, yeah. and that stuff, too. So, yeah. no, there's lots of problem with Clinton, although it was relatively peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think other presidents. I sort of have a soft spot for Teddy Roosevelt, too. So I feel bad. I can't even think of George Washington's house. I'm Googling it right now because I don't want people <laughs> to have that like bad taste in their mouth right at the end of the episode. Oh, God. How did we forget this? There's a town that's like right Mount by... Vernon. Yes. Yeah, Mount Vernon. I, I thought that, but didn't say it. <laughs> well, now we know for sure, Mount Vernon. Monticello is Thomas Jefferson's. What was, uh, what's the other, like, big house from back in the day? It's kind of funny because Mount Vernon and Monticello are both towns right by Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Now you're going to have to dig into that and figure out why. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's got to be some sort of connection. Well, we're pretty much in agreement on presidents. That's good. We'll see how much agreement we have next week. It's top five fast food burger joints. So basically best burgers from fast food. No fries. Well, fries count. Fries definitely go into, I'm just saying instead of including all fast food. So no KFC, no Taco Bell, no Taco John's, just burger fast food places. And fries do matter. In fact, that might be more important than the burger itself. Well when it comes to ranking the burger joints. There's only one that ranks to the top. What's yours? Well, the Sonic Green Chili Cheeseburger. I oh, spent so much man. time in New Mexico, I have to have green chili. I might have to change my top five after you said that, man. I miss Sonic. We used to yeah, have a Sonic right. announcement, we don't anymore. Right. In yeah, fact, my girlfriend- Let's a double <laughs> Let's do it. Now that we're hungry, it's a good time to get the heck out now, of here. Yeah, I, sorry. I, <laughs> you know, I gave it up. No, you're fine. Sonic was, I don't even think I had Sonic in my top five, but I might have to recalibrate because that might have been an oversight. So yeah, thank you for green chili. So thank you for bringing that up. Anything else to add? To the pot or about burgers? Either. No, it's uh, <laughs> every time... People would think, I just want to tell people out there that are listening, they would think that I would prepare, that want to be a, a good person on a podcast, <laughs> preparation would be involved. But I just, 
it's sort of more fun trying to figure it out and, and being prepared sounds too scripted for me. I, I just... Well, you're the kind of person that is just always prepared. And plus, I give you the, you know, I show you the agenda. So you at least kind of know what we're talking about. Yeah. But, and I, it's not like I put stuff on there very often where you wouldn't, because I think about things that you would also be interested in talking about. Of course, I, if it was just me, might not have the same agenda. But right. I try to pick things that you and I can converse about or things that we've talked about previously. So I agree. I think it's good that we talk and talk through things and maybe even change our mind as we're talking about it. Well, yeah, and it's just like, I think having a certain amount of ignorance in the room right. and somebody that will admit that they're ignorant and not have any problem with being ignorant, <laughs> I think is, I mean, I learned a long time ago, it's okay to be ignorant. Yes. It's just not to be purposefully ignorant. Right. You know, to be uninformed. Right. To just choose not to be uninformed. To be proudly uninformed. Well, thank you for tuning into this latest edition of the Iowa Revolution podcast. Hopefully we made you more informed. You can always follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution, although I've not been so good about that, of course, for obvious reasons over the past couple of weeks. So hopefully get a little bit more into Twitter. Uh, we do not have a Threads account yet. <laughs> we don't have a Blue Sky account yet. We are on Facebook and on Twitter, so you can follow us there. Make sure you subscribe. I want to thank everybody that subscribed. You know how many subscribers we're up to? No. 69. All right. Nice. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, you could be the 70th if you click subscribe. And also make sure you follow all of Dr. Bob's Substacks. He's got Deep Midwest, which is kind of similar in content to what we talk about on the podcast. News, politics, culture, that sort of stuff. And then you also have Cedar Creek Nature Notes, which is always fun. Just taking a walk in the woods with Dr. Bob. Yeah. He's got fun. all sorts of yeah pictures of wildlife or fungi or just sort of things you see you get to see your dog out and about with you which is always cool you got like sound or you know bird calls and that sort of stuff so if you're looking for something that's not quite as hair pulling <laughs> as the podcast or as deep midwest can be sometimes uh cedar creek nature notes is a good way to catch your breath and just enjoy what's all around us well, thank you, Spencer. So, yeah, those are all on Substack. We are also on Substack. So, again, make sure you subscribe. And uh, if you do want to contact us, you can contact us there on Substack. We also have a Gmail account. It's iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. And, again, like I mentioned, we're on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next Wednesday. We'll be in. Cool.